doing what we love full time. I mean, nothing really beats that, okay? Like, if you can get to that point, that is just, like, a really cool thing. And it's been a long time in the making. Like the place on fire, burning up the Listening to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast, the exploration of life fully optimized with Megan Hotman. Hey, Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast fans, welcome back. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends over at Runner's High, the only running specialty store here in Golden. You can check them out on the web at runnershighco.com. They've got a shop here in Golden, Colorado, and they just opened a second location in Morrison, Colorado, right there at the base of Red Rocks Amphitheater. So why do I love the folks at Runner's High? Well, Deb and Ken are an incredible couple. Both have extensive running backgrounds and pedigrees. They have a wealth of knowledge and experience. They are the ones that helped me back in 2015 when I started training for my first Ironman and was getting back into running. They put me on their treadmill there in their store and did a running gait analysis, helped me figure out what I needed for both training shoes as well as race day shoes. And I'll just share that they got me hooked on the Hoka 1-1 for training days and on the Newton lightweight running shoes for race day. And this protocol has worked beautifully for me for the last three years. Uh, It's also my only source of running and training nutrition both during and after i buy my scratch labs hydration mix at runner's high and they also just got me hooked on the tailwind nutrition vanilla recovery mix which i use after my workouts so they are fantastic they will absolutely help you get sorted with your running shoes as well as apparel and they sell some pretty amazing yoga pants too they are offering a discount to our listeners. If you mention that you are a Maximum Enthusiasm podcast fan, they'll give you 10% off running shoes and 20% off apparel. You can also just mention the last name Hotman, H-O-T-T-M-A-N, and you will be a friend for life with Runners High in Golden. So again, check them out, runnershighco.com. Listeners, that music you just enjoyed was produced by my cousins, Heather and Jessica Hopman, and their drummer, Ed Getzlaff, who are my guests on today's show. I'm so excited to have the opportunity to share their new music with you and also give them a chance to tell you about what drives them as young, aspiring musicians. It is definitely not an easy road. You'll hear about the struggles and the challenges, no doubt, but What I really love about this interview is the way that they define success. And honestly, it comes down to just bringing their A-game every time they perform, regardless of the size of the audience. And it's not defined by money, which I just thought was so striking. And none of their even pipeline, you know, pipe dream goals revolve around money. And it's so refreshing to hear people say, I do this because I love it. I do this because it touches people, we're creating connection, we're creating brand new content that will outlive us and it will continue on even when we are no longer around. And I just so appreciate the way these three hold firm and steadfast to their true identity and it's not open for negotiation. And of course, musicians more than most of us are susceptible to the haters online especially but also it shows. And I think in my own personal life about how susceptible I am to 
just one negative comment on social media or one cutting comment from opposing counsel, how much that impacts me. And then I see these three just like trees with their roots firmly planted saying, I'm sorry, but who I am and what my music stands for is not open for negotiation. And I benefited personally so much from this podcast interview. I suspect that you will too. And I really hope that you will check the Hotman Sisters out on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Spotify. I will include links to all of their media on the website. And you'll get to hear their entire track at the end of this interview, their newest release, Fire. I want to just apologize for the fact that I'm dealing with a little bit of a head cold, had some stressful travel earlier this week. It's kind of thrown me off my A game. And um, so I have a a husky voice going on this morning, but most importantly, you can hear Ed, Heather, and Jessica very clearly. And I suspect that their insights will touch you the way they touched me. Have a great listen. Have a great day. Go out and have positive impact on at least one person. Fill up their cup a little bit and exude that maximum enthusiasm, friends. Thanks for listening. So good to see your faces, and I'm just so thankful. (laughs) Uh, Today's show is with the Hotman sisters, which includes Jessica and Heather Hotman and Ed. And Ed, will you say your last name for me? Hi. Sorry, what? Will you say your last name for me? Is it Getzlaff? Gets off, yeah. Gets off, okay. Ed is the man on the drums, and man, can he play a wild <laughs> set for sure. And uh, this this trio is affectionately known as the Hopman Sisters, so welcome to the show, you three. Thank, Thank you. you. We're excited to be here. <laughs> they are tuning in from Omaha, Nebraska right now, where they're probably only going to be for a short minute, and then where are you all off to next? Yeah, so we um, have our EP release show coming up on September 28th, and we're really excited. That'll kick off in Omaha here, and then we actually head to the Northwest for a string of shows through, like, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, and the tour ends down in California, uh, hitting cities like San Francisco and L.A. So we'll be out for about three weeks on that tour. And speaking of EP release, do you want to tell me a little bit about this amazing song that just went viral all over the Internet? (laughs) (laughs) yeah um you know it's uh last year we actually took to this whole new idea of rebranding ourselves of reworking our music um i kind of knew i wanted the band to go into a new direction musically and uh really i feel like this was the first um i I mean there's there's other songs that were written before but this was kind of the first song that like put this capstone on like this is the new sound this is what we're going for and the song uh, became like the anthem of the EP, and we ended up making it the single, releasing it first. And uh, no pun intended, or pun intended, I guess, it <laughs> caught fire, which is kind of cool. That's the name of the track, fire. Totally. <laughs> and the video is so good. Tell me a little bit about what goes into that, because I bet that's like hours and hours of filming. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, what goes into it? Well, there's a lot of, um, I guess, I don't know planning together as a group we have to like you know have a lot more group meetings than we normally do just to make sure everyone's like okay here's our vision here's what we're planning to do um I would say that's a huge thing and just in general with communication just having like more than once a week band meetings just to be like okay here's the info now and here's how we go forward so yeah I mean and honestly with that video uh, we like went in with an idea and we had a 
our guy, our Randy Edwards, who uh, was living in Colorado for a while. He travels all over. He's from Omaha originally, and um, he just is amazing. He's amazing when you get him in the studio. He's got a vision that kind of meshed with ours, and we just, on the spot, we did it in a day. Wow. It was like around eight hours. We're like, let's just go in. Let's shoot film. Let's see what happens, and things were kind of like happening on the spot. So even in the video, like the mannequin thing, Ed, um, had, it was, there's a ton of props at the studio that we're at. So he had seen those mannequins. He's like, wow, this really fits with like the whole line in the song. That's like the old me is gone. So then we started like dressing the mannequins up. So there was really a lot that was organic, even yeah. on the spot, yeah. um, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I love that. So some spontaneity then it sounds like in something that looks super polished and I would have assumed, you know, took months to plan. It sounds like some of it just came together yeah. really organically. Right. There was, there was planning, and then there's the moment where you just let go, and you say, like, let's just see what happens. Yeah. We had the music on repeat, so we were, like, ah. inspired by that. Yeah, and just in the zone. Pulling things and kind of putting things together as we were there. <laughs> that is so cool. Well, I'm going to be sharing links to the video, and, of course, the song is going to be on the intro of this podcast, so our listeners can check it out. We'll have direct links to your website and everything so folks can find you on your EP tour. Um, awesome. <laughs> You know, you talk about rebranding, you know, people try to classify you as a band. I see, I see indie, I see pop, I see different descriptions for you, but how do you describe yourself in this new, this new rebranded Hotman Sisters? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, for me, like writing the music for the group, I've always been about not necessarily trying to write with the style in mind but taking inspirations from all genres, figuring out, you know, what's happening in the world of rock music and rap music and hip hop and country, like what, what's everyone doing? And like pulling what I like from each thing to create something that's its own little thing. And so with this new music, I just kind of was like, you know, I'm going to go in, I'm going to write what I love right now. I'm going to write, you know, what I'm feeling, what kind of music I'm listening to. I'm going to take inspiration from that. And once the song Fire was written, it just kind of seemed natural to put everything else in with that. So we've got these kind of shiny colors. It's like shiny and bright, but it's also dark at the same uh -huh. time. When you see the video especially, it's like dark, but there's also lots of color going on. And I think that that's how the music um, is also coming through. It's kind of like really bright and happy, but also really haunting at the same time. Yeah. So that was kind of the whole idea behind the rebrand, everything from the photos we did to the videos, to the songs, to just the whole vibe that we're putting out is um, kind of a mix of those two worlds. And I see Heather and Ed are nodding both. Um, I would imagine this is challenging, you know, for three people to kind of agree on you know, all the things. Uh, and so Jessica, you're writing the songs, but then there's still, you know, obviously the instrumental component, the vocal component. How do three artists who have this amazing creativity put it together? I mean, are there times when you butt heads and disagree on things and, and how do you reach consensus on this stuff? Yeah, I think like we, there are times when we do, but because we spend so much time together and we're all open to being wrong in some capacity. I think there's ah. like a trust in like Jessica's songwriting. She's an awesome songwriter, so I trust that she can write great songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'll definitely give my input if like if there's the opportunity for me to like give input, you know. Yeah. Right on and you know, Heather and Jessica, obviously you two are sisters, <laughs> um, so yeah, you know like you know, we're gonna have our disagreements, like who isn't, you know, everyone's human. Um, and then, you know, especially sisters, I think there's actually like a beauty in that because, you know, to disagree with other people in the world, you can't 
just be like as brazen as possible and like expect that you're going to have like a best friend at the end of the day. Like that's just kind of, and you don't, you know, you can't just be like, first of all, I'm not right about everything. I'm not right about probably most things. And so I kind of try to come to the table more. So, especially when um, those have happened, like arguments have happened, I'm just like, okay, there's something to be learned from it. A, uh, B, no one's just fully right or fully wrong. There's just not like a direct answer. Everyone just has opinions. So I think when we, yeah, like Ed said, like when we like focus on the main point, which is that Jessica is an amazing songwriter and not just because she's my sister, she just is. Um, <laughs> we get behind something else that's beyond arguing, you know, that's beyond like this little nitpicking, like what is that? So. Oh, and I'm sitting here with a big grin on my face for our listeners' benefit because I've known these two since their birth, since pre-birth, and uh, it just, you two, uh, you, there's just so much maturity and growth happening right here for you, and it's so exciting to see where you're headed to, and it's just really cool to see the three of you, how you've come together on this. Um, so, you know, the burning question for me, and I suspect for most listeners, is... The life of a musician is hard, especially an aspiring musician. I see you guys driving all over the country, putting on these tours. I can only imagine what goes into setting up at some of these places late at night. Um, just the demands on you, and it just it's obviously not an easy road. And so, you know, the podcast is called Maximum Enthusiasm, kind of what drives people. How do you live your fully optimized life? And obviously, pursuit of your dreams and your purpose is a big part of that. So what drives you guys? Like, what keeps you going after this really hard thing? And, and where does that come from? Yeah, I mean, I think for me personally, I, I would say it's, uh, you know, we started this project out. There's not a lot of uh, gain from what you're doing. And I think that any musician, and this, this crosses into other areas, but just musicians, it's, it's so much of an investment up front. And there is a lot of even... Not, not only you investing everything that you have, but then people around you questioning, going, well, how can you do that? You can't make a living off of that. What are you doing? You know, there's there's even that coming in on top of it. And then you're creatively putting something out and saying, here's my heart. Here's my song that I wrote. I hope you like it. And then you have people that do like it and people that don't like it. And there's a lot of pressure that rolls in with that. And you're correct in saying it is a very demanding lifestyle. So something early on that I kind of told myself was, you know, I'm the one who's going to define the success at the end of the day. There's always going to be people that either don't see it as successful or are the haters, quote unquote, um, or there's, you know, another mountain to climb up ahead. Like, okay, we did this thing and now we're on to the next thing. So really it's finding the day-to-day success. And I truly enjoy everything from like making spreadsheets in my Google Drive to like, you know, keeping track of our inventory to having business conversations with our manager or with the band or just writing a good little hook and recording it on my phone and remembering, okay, I'm going to turn this into something. So it's all the little things and finding success in those that ultimately bring you success at the end of the day. Cause then it's not, you know, always grabbing for the next thing. Right. It's like, Hey, we accomplished this. Awesome. Now what's ahead. So it's, it's just like that gratitude in the moment of like, what have I done? Looking back, reflecting, because uh, it is easy to get down on yourself and to sure. feel like there's always something up ahead. But if you can find those little victories, I think that it, um, for me, that's what drives me. That's what brings me joy. I know everything's an investment and it's all adding into what we're doing and into this career that we're building. And so that's exciting. It's, you kind of got to go into it with the long game in mind is what I hear you saying. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yep. I think that's always the goal, uh, like perspective wise is, longevity, uh, not just being a 
a flash in the pan. Like, okay, we had one hit song. I mean, there's, for me, it's, I, I'm an artist. I love to write. I love to create. And so always having the capacity to do that takes skill and it takes strategic planning. And, yeah. And I want to hear more from Ed and Heather too. But one thing I just want to touch on quickly, Jessica, is that at no point in there did I hear you mention the word money. And so, um, no, but I think that, I think that's really important because it's become a theme in these podcast interviews with people that are really living purposeful and fulfilling lives is none of them define it by money. And so what I hear you saying is you're defining success, at least right now in growth and pursuit of opportunities and developing your artistic skills and abilities. Um, but at no point did I hear you say, well, if we make X amount of money, then we'll be happy. And I mean, I think you can... You can just look at the world around you. You look at, you know, people that have all the money in the world and still it's not enough for them. And so it's not that money isn't helpful or isn't a resource to what you're doing. That would be a lie if we said it wasn't. Sure. <laughs> but at the same time, if that's the thing that's driving you, I think you're always going to fall short in your own money. It's yeah. great advice. How about you, Ed and Heather? How, how do you see this trajectory and this, this pursuit that you're on right now? Oh, it's great. I love it. Um, so I moved back to Omaha about two years ago, and I finished up at um, school in Boston. I was going to Berkeley College of Music, and so I came back here and I met Jess at a nonprofit, and uh, she was like, "Hey, we need a drummer for tour," and I was like, "Awesome! A band that's touring out of Omaha, Nebraska." It's <laughs> like, of course I'll go on tour. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just been great, like being in a group that's serious about. Um, performing music at a high level um, I really have that urge of like I really want to perform music at like a high level and do what I do as best as I can yeah. and I feel like we all have that same vision of oh, yeah. that so yeah I, I, I love playing with the group and can I ask you Ed what do you mean by high level are we talking like size of an audience are we talking about size of a venue tell me more about what that I means guess, um, as far as like quality of the music okay so like um, we really want to take care of like how we play the music. We're really intentional about playing it at like a high level. I just said that a high level. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, like skill. Like I think using our skills. To yeah, the fullest. yeah. I think like treating yeah. the music professionally will, yeah. in turn, make us professionals. You know? Yeah. I love that. Uh, you know, and for our listeners, I can see reverence on your face. There's a respect for the art that you are performing, which. As a non-musician, I'd never thought of it that way, but I suppose it would be equivalent to going to a bike race and giving it 100% versus showing up and kind of half-assing it. It sounds to me like you are really you determined. You have to treat it that professional from the get-go, and that's ah. the thing that we've always made a point to do is it doesn't matter if your first show is five people at a coffee shop. You know, you get up there and you are an artist in that moment and people are looking to be captivated by you sure. to some capacity and to believe in what you're doing. And so from day one, you have to, you know, get it in your mind that it isn't about the size of the audience. Ah. It isn't about, you know, did everything go perfectly, but what was your demeanor in the whole thing? Wow. How about you, Heather? Where, where do you get your fulfillment? <laughs> like three things that come to mind. Okay. One of them is a given. And that is that, you know, we're doing what we love full-time I mean nothing really beats that okay like if you can get to that point that is just like a really cool thing and it's been a long time in the making I mean I've thought about all the jobs that I've ever done that I'm like oh I just really did not like I wouldn't say that I hated but some of them are just not you know my um wavelength or who I was as a person at all 
So to do that is like number one, the coolest thing. And then second and third things I would say are really helpful things to remind myself of the joy that I have in music is like adding and subtracting in the right ways. I would say adding would be something like, you know, just like making, making music. Okay. Performing, adding instruments into the mix. Okay. Um, and then subtracting would be saying, okay, I am not doing this other job that I was doing. I'm literally focusing on music, you know? So it's just kind of like, or carving out the time to tour, carving out the time sure. to, you know, go on a tour for a month, you know, or even two weeks. It's just, you got to carve out time. And so I think it's just like prioritizing mixed with doing what you love to do is just like a really, really cool thing that, I mean, how can it not bring you joy on a daily basis? So good for you guys. Yeah. Cause it's not easy. And like you said, it's, um, when we break out of the mold and we pursue things that don't make sense to people that have gone the traditional route, we are confronted with um, a lot of, I mean, we can call it negativity. Some of it comes from people who love us, who are worried about us not, you know, being financially successful or solvent, um, you know, all the way to people who we just make uncomfortable because you're doing things differently than the script that they're following. And so um, that adds a level of tension too, doesn't it? Because you're swimming in your channel and you're pursuing your thing. And yet there's these outside voices projecting on you. Um, and so a lot of our listeners are in that space. I know specifically several of them are thinking of leaving their comfortable full-time jobs and pursuing a dream that seems completely outlandish. And so for those people, what, what suggestions or advice would you give? Cause you're in it right now. You're in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, Super simple, but I would say go for it. And I know that sounds so overrated and that's maybe sounding really millennial or whatever you want to call it. But I think that, um, I think if you treat what you do professionally, it's not like, oh, I'm going to do this thing and you know, I'm not really going to think about it. I'm just going to go do this thing. Yeah, that can be really difficult. But I think if you are professional, you give it your all, you um, take what you do seriously and you say, no, I'm, I'm really giving this my all. Yeah. I don't think you'll be let down in that. I think yeah. even if there is, you know, all of us have experienced financial struggle. We've all experienced struggle with time, with getting enough sleep. I mean, those yeah. are, those are pieces of like coming into this new version of yourself. And, um, those are okay though. I think for me, like I think about even the struggle has built me into this person that I am and being able to do what I love. And so even counting the things like struggle and maybe not knowing where your finances are at for just a second, those are all part of the experience of like doing what you love to do. And I I guarantee that most people that have done the non-traditional route that have said, I'm going to go for this thing can tell you probably way more stories of struggle and strife and (laughs) long nights, late nights, um, than anything else, because that is what makes you you. And I, yeah. I think just for anyone listening, like, you know, very we have one life here. And, and yeah. I think that for me, I guess the way I define success is doing what I love to do in that life and spending my time, not, not separating out and saying, mm-hmm. here's work and then here's all the other time what I love to do, but saying, how can I merge the two together mm. and work at something I love? So I think that's mm. for me what I would pass on. Mm-hmm. Heather and Ed, anything it's, to add? It's like a thing with like regret too, you know, it's like yes. at the end of the day, I think about, okay, what, what would I truly regret? And I would truly regret not doing that thing because at least if I did the thing, I'd have something to say about it. I'd say, you know what? I didn't like it. And I moved back into the thing I was originally doing. I mean, totally. You know, there's always time to make that change. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, and I guess 
you know, at the same token, Jessica said, we only have one life. So it's like, there is time to go back to doing what you're originally doing. If it all, you know, just doesn't go the way you want it to, but at least you tried it. And who's to say it's not the thing that you want to do for the rest of your life. Like, so I would say just, it's how you define that. It's how you define failure. Like, don't be afraid to fail, try that thing. And then you can always make a totally different decision after that. So I think oftentimes people will go for what they think they want to do. And then all of a sudden the door will open up. That's maybe not even the thing, but the door will open up near that. And it's like, Oh, that's actually what I wanted to do. But I had to make this leap into this thing that I thought to be able to get to that. So everything's a stepping stone and it's all how you view it. It's all your perspective in the process of what you're doing. And that is the thing, Jessica, because my own boyfriend is in that boat. He was actually doing music. And then one day he picked up a camera on a whim and now he does full-time photography it's going so successfully for him he quit his full-time marketing job that he was doing at the time and is literally just doing photography and he's like the happiest person I ask him about it all the time he's like there's nothing more I want to do like the biggest smile on his face you know bringing people joy from a camera capturing moments like a wedding that you can like you know look back yeah it's just like you get a moment in time forever it's cool so wow you guys good stuff how about you Ed (laughs) Man, they all nailed it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like if you leave a career, like let's say you're like a coder and you're like, I want to start a restaurant. If the restaurant flops, like you could still get a job in coding. You know, like why not just make the jump right now? Because like Jess said, like we have one life and you got like a hundred years. So yeah. Make the most of it, you know? Right. (laughs) And there are very few decisions that are, you know, irrevocable or irrevocable however you want to say it but in other words what you just said if you do go try it and for some reason you decide it's not working you can always go back to what you were doing before but how awful to live with the regret if you never make the jump to begin with yeah i mean exactly the worst thing that would happen is like i mean obviously like financially you'd probably be in a different place sure but you'd know more about your own personal preferences and you'd know more about yourself than you would if you would have just stuck to what you knew and only stayed in that box. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so um, along those lines, sort of with keeping with this sort of, uh, you know, people projecting on you solicited or unsolicited advice that I'm sure you're getting all the time. Um, you know, I struggle with, with, as you mentioned, you call them haters, Jessica. And there is a group of people out there that do love to attack those of us that are kind of in the arena doing the bold things. And way more so for you, because you guys are musicians putting your product out into the world, and I'm sure you hear plenty of feedback that you maybe don't find super positive. Um, How do you cope with that, especially since your product is so personal to you? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, there's something with being an artist where, you know, it is challenging because you're putting yourself out there, but in a way you're also required to, you know, look at how people are responding to that to define where everything is at. And so it's this weird world of like, okay, I'm confident in myself, but if I'm also like putting this out for listeners and there is a group of people that are hating it, how do I like, how do I cope with that? Um, I think that our brains are also wired in a way where we're far more focused on the one negative comment yeah. than the 200 positive comments we just heard. For and sure. We can all um, <clears throat> agree that we actually had even something come up this week where we were dealing with this. And I, I went for sometimes the way I cope with it is I, I go out and I exercise and I get out into the world. And so I was out on a run and I, I went from a place of like, I don't understand this. I'm frustrated, like almost laughing 
and realizing in a weird way, even though there are haters, like that drives me. Maybe it's wow. competitiveness. Maybe it's, um, you know, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I think that almost if there wasn't that risk, like if you weren't in the risk of like people hating or not liking what you're doing, like for me, it, it's like that kind of makes it worth it in a way because it is something risky. It is something out there. So as much as it's like, oh, this thing, these people, it weirdly drives me to say, you know what, this is a risky thing. This isn't something that is easy at all times. And it's kind of like when you're out running and you get to the hill and you're like, I hate running the hill, but like the hill is going to make me better and it's going to push me. And so I was kind of thinking of that as I'm out running this hill. I'm like, these are the haters, but I'm, I'm running up this hill and I'm going to hit the ground where I'm actually going down and it's going to be okay. And I think that also just retraining your brain to also remember hmm. the people that are supporting you, the people that love you. And no matter what you do, you could be a person that uh, doesn't put yourself out there at all. And there can still be someone that hates you. Totally right. So I think if you look at it that way, it's like, you know what? that's always going to be there. That's like just a given there's, you know, it's like, that's a given part of life that there's probably going to be someone that disagrees or hates what you're doing. So just keep doing what you're doing. Keep Mm -hmm. finding the joy in what you do and, and remembering those people that are supporting Mm. you. Well said. Uh, I have this vision of you like running over haters. (laughs) 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 How about you, Ed and Heather? (laughs) Literally running right over. Yep. Running over them. How do you guys cope with with haters with the negative feedback? Does it do you process it the same way? Is it just part of being an artist? Do you just accept that that comes with the job? I yeah, I definitely accept it. Um, I think like if you don't have people that don't like what you're doing, you might not be doing so well. Uh, like, ah, like it's almost like a healthy read of like what you're doing to an extent. Like if it's a, if everyone doesn't like what you're doing. You might not be good, but you know, like, <laughs> line. But yeah, there's definitely a line there where, like, I think there has to be like a healthy level of like disagreement because we're trying to push what we do farther. And if we're doing everything that's agreeable, then I don't know if it's really gonna yeah. provide any sort of like longevity to what we're doing. And yeah, as an artist, you have to step outside of the box in some respect. And no matter what, when you're stepping outside of what's there, there's it's gonna be met with. Tension. Something or someone, right? Sure. I think of it in two parts, kind of going to be maybe weird or opposite on this, but um, I think that there's a part that I totally agree with that Jessica and Ed are talking about. Um, I think that has to do with the art of, in and of itself, and, like, are you confident in that, and are you going to stand behind that even when someone hates it? But then there's another side of me that, okay, it's probably more conversational, and so it's oh. maybe less about the music, but, like, meeting someone at a show, I, I just took the strength finders test and two of mine are harmony and connectedness. And so those two things totally play in to having a conversation with someone at the show. And if they ask about our music, if I find any way that there's some harmony or just one like string of connectedness or harmony with that person to our music or the music in general, that brings me so much more joy than, than most things could bring me. So even if they said they said that and maybe said something negative, I'm just focused on that positive thing they said because I'm like, that's the reason we do what we do ah. is to find that even just like iota of like a connection. So Wow. And you know, a point that's coming up for me as you're talking about this is how do you remain authentic and true to yourself as a musician or in general 
with the product that you're creating, but at the same time you're talking about gauging public interest and the reception that you're getting from people. And and I hear Ed say it's good to have people disagree with you, that's healthy. But then you know you said if too many people don't like you, that's a problem because that means no one's going to be paying for your music or paying for your shows. How do you walk that line, either in music or in life in general, between honoring yourself and also kind of giving the masses what they want? Yeah. Um, I'll speak to this a little bit. Um, I think there was a moment, and this was actually not even that long ago, a lot of it was happening like through this rebrand and you know, as we're getting out on the road, but there is always, like I said, there's always someone soliciting what they want your art to be because mm-hmm. either they're used to it, that's what they like, that's what they want to see. And I think there are nuggets of truth or of good things, good criticisms that are out there. And so you want to gauge, like there is that idea of like relevancy as an artist, you know, like you want to be able to um, have people connect with you. There is sure. like certain ways that music's written that it allows people to move or connect or to find something in it. That's why you have kind of the greats of each genre rise up because they're, they're connecting with people. But at the same time, I think that there is that authenticness in what you're doing. And I think to get to that, you have to know when to say no, you have to know your boundaries. And so for me, like that comes on the songwriting side of things where, you know, there are certain things that I will take to people. I will let people give feedback. I will hear what they're saying. And there are other pieces of it that I reserve and say, this is who I am. And this isn't going to be touched, this, this piece of it. So I think it's even setting boundaries within your art of saying, this is who I am and, and I'm going to keep this nugget of who I am. And yes, there are pieces of that that can change or be moved around, but the core of it is still mm. me in the song. And so I think it's knowing when to say no. So like if, you know, you might hear lots of good criticisms, but then someone's like, well, you really should change this thing and say, you know what, I, I hear what you're saying, but actually we're going to keep out the way it is. Yeah. So and that can translate into so many different areas yes. of music from like your live show to, um, you know, all the things that you do that go into this, the artwork and everything like that. Um, just knowing when to say no and knowing your boundaries and, and being able to still express yourself in what you're doing is really important. I totally agree. That's it's honestly a conversation to me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's as simple as when you have a conversation with someone, I don't think that you should be afraid to have almost any conversation with someone. Um, again, I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to control people and say that people aren't maybe shying away from specific things if they're like really hurt by it or really affected by it. And I'm, again, I'm not trying to say this is how you should feel, but I'm just saying I'm, I'm a firm believer in having any type of conversation because I don't think that it needs to just be about yelling and persuading and all this stuff. I think that that's how music is to me is it's like, you're putting yourself out there as an artist. So it's like you're talking to someone. And then the feedback that you get is like they're talking wow. back to you. And so wow. if you don't see it as a conversation, it's just going to be an ugly war that you're never going to like, you know, it's never going to bring you no. joy when it totally can, even healthy criticism. So I just see it all as like a beautiful dance, a beautiful conversation. And whatever way it goes, I think the best types of conversations are those that people truly care about. They're listening on both sides and you can really gain something from it. So those are my favorite are when it's just like going back and forth and there's like, I don't know, you're talking about good things, bad things, neutral things. And it's like, it's just flowing in that way. So I I love that. I had never thought of music as a conversation with your audience. That's really, that's really cool, Heather. Thanks. I think um, like stylistically, we really don't have to think about this type of stuff all that much now because 
um, the music we're putting out is more along the pop side. And so intrinsically, like it's made for people like the masses to listen to it, you know? So we don't really have to think all that much of like, Oh, we should put this in. So people like listen to our music more, you know, like it just comes out naturally. And so I guess we don't really, I I don't know. Do we think about it all that much? I don't really. I mean, I I think uh, being the writer, I tend to have that conversation with myself more. Um, But I think that also once you, once you, I mean, it's really like the first thing you put out, The first, it's, that's the scariest because you're sure. like, I have no idea if anyone's going to connect with this. Like, <laughs> is anyone out there, does anyone like this? And I think even just having a group or just a few people say like, I like what you're doing, it really starts to build something and it builds. Huh. And what's cool about music, this is the weird thing, is that because it's always changing, you have, it's like fashion. You see something and everyone's like, that's ugly, I would never wear that. And like five years later, everyone's wearing it, yeah. right? So... Music is kind of that way too. You may push the the boundary a little and people might not understand it initially. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know what? I actually do like this. I actually do like what you're doing. And so you have to kind of realize that like, if you're moving the trend forward, there's always going to be that resistance of like, I don't really understand, but then some people are going to grasp on and then people are going to latch on to whatever thing it is because everyone else is is doing that. So music is kind of cool in that way too, that you can even have some of that like, weirdness and still meet people even down the road a little ways mm. yeah van goes an example that we were talking about the other day how he his most success i know this is like maybe a little bit morbid was actually people really latched onto it after he had passed yeah. so it's just like you never know when people are gonna like be like oh that's actually really really cool so i just think having that inward confidence is like mm. a huge fueler just to know that you're like i'm proud of what we're putting out and i'm okay and i'm listening to the criticism and sometimes it's a good thing other times you're like nope i'm gonna stick to what i'm doing um either way it it needs to be there in the musical so i bet our listeners and myself included we we all wish we could buy in a pill form this inner confidence and just knowingness that you three have um because i think so many of us are reactionary and almost like oh you don't like that oh i should change that and oh oh you're right that criticism okay i'll make it i'll make a different i'll make it different next time and what i hear you saying is you know yeah some things are open for negotiation we're open to feedback but then certain things are just frankly off limits because it's inherently who i am and who we are and so yep. we don't really care about your input and then even when you're getting negative stuff, like to Heather's point, you're okay with it because it's part of the conversation. It's not knocking you off of track. So I just yeah. really respect and admire that because especially given how young you three are, I think that's a really, really admirable trait that's going to serve you forever. And most of us could you know, use more of it. <laughs> I, I think to also to speak to something you're saying too, just something for the listeners is like, um, sometimes you're right is what I want to say. And I think that... Um, there are moments when you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, sh- I should, someone gives you criticism, oh, I, I shouldn't have done that. And then all of a sudden, it, it cycles back around to that thing. And everyone's like, well, why didn't we do this? And you're like, well, I had that idea. And this person told me it wasn't a good idea. Sometimes your ideas are right and your ideas are good. And so I think like having confidence and knowing that that per- like even though the criticism is there, and yes, sometimes it's good, sometimes you're right. And sometimes yeah. the criticism is wrong. And so yeah. just being confident that like, your voice matters in that. The norm that. isn't isn't always right. Totally. Oh, amen, <laughs> the right? The general opinion isn't even always right, necessarily. So. Amen. Well, okay, so two things I want to um, finish up with you are, one, I want to hear about kind of the pipe dream, like what would be the ultimate 
pinnacle of your success as artists? What do you aspire? Um, you know, where should we look for you when you reach where you're headed? And then lastly, how people can support you either financially or just supporting your music where they can find you and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll start this. Yeah, Ed, yeah, why don't sure. you take this? Yeah. All right, so the pinnacle of my career in music would just be to have the facility to create on a broader scale. Like we had an interview earlier this week and we were asked a similar question. And I really had to think about it because um, like, I don't really... I don't know if you guys ever entertain this. If somebody gave us like $10 million, what would you do with it? And I think I would just put that into music in some way. Like, oh, if we want to record a symphony orchestra, like we have oh. the budget to do it. You know, like I would just think bigger with like what we're doing. Um, yeah. I think just further down the road, goals would just be have the freedom to go deeper down the rabbit hole of like our own creativity mm-hmm. and find out what's there. Yeah. And so what does that look like, Ed? Does that look like owning your own studio and basically having the option to just spontaneously record like really high quality products at any time? Or are we talking about bigger venues and you mentioned symphonies and like larger concert halls? Is that part of the vision? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Any and everything. Yeah. I mean, I think like as an artist, you are, for me, it's like the ideas are swirling constantly, but there is only with the finances and the time, the team that you have, you know, you're, it's like you see it, you see the full picture, but you might only be able to really access like this piece of it right now. And then you're slowly accessing more. And our goal is to be able to like access as much as we can. That's like the longevity of the career. Like let's really like go for it. And that's going to look like everything from playing big festivals to, we want to play late night television. We want to tour consistently. We want to go overseas and tour. We want to, then go back and tour bigger and and play to more people. And yes, there is that growing aspect of what we're doing, but even outside of that, like the studio space, like I would love to own my own studio, have my equipment, have my setup, be able to just really access anything at any time for like my creative, like fun and and making something. And I think that that for me is like the, uh, the core, the pinnacle of what I'm doing is to just be able to say, I have these ideas and I can actually access the full idea and put it in to play and put it out into the world. And that definitely comes with um, experience and time and resources and, um, and really getting a grip of what you're doing, which is what we're in the thick of right now. We're really kind of laying the foundation, laying the groundwork for uh, being able to get to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's more so it's not like a one thing that I just I have to play or have to do. I think we all just love traveling, a uh, you know. So that's a huge thing. Um, we're we're willing to travel as far as music will take us, um, essentially, and and not just like it's just going to pull us there, but like working to play, obviously, like anywhere in Europe would be amazing. Honestly, like London, I would love to play there. And there's some things like that, but I think mainly it's just like that, that keep going mentality to it where it's just like, okay, this leads to this. And I, I kind of like that. I kind of thought that at one point in my life, I was like, okay, but like, how do I get from this to this? And it's not necessarily about you controlling the chain of events. It's you controlling your mind and saying, okay, like what, what can I do or what, what is the best way to facilitate what I love to do? And I know that sounds so broad and so like what and confusing, but it's like, if you're asking yourself that on a daily basis, 
that is the cause and effect that will lead you to think outside the box and think how to get the, how to play those shows that are like way far away and like that you'd love to play. So there's one aspect of it. And then I think your other question would be like financially and like support wise, like honestly, the, the biggest thing to me is, is, you know, coming out to shows because I think that's like such a magical thing that happens. I literally have goosebumps right now. I'm just like, it's an amazing experience to have so many people in one room where the connector is music and then there's so many more connectors after that. It's just, it's crazy how much can happen in one night. And I think that um, some places are really, really good about people coming out to local shows. Um, other places kind of lack that. And I just, it kind of just makes me sad because there's, there's such a community there that I think people are missing. And if they realize they had that community it, it could change your lives. It's changed wow. mine just going out to shows, not even just playing shows. I mean, that's a whole other thing, but I think local support is a huge thing. Um, and then obviously, like, you know, the world is a tech world. We all, you know, get on Spotify, we get on YouTube, we get on these things. So obviously supporting us that way is huge too. And if, you know, we can't see someone that lives far away from us, that's sometimes the only thing is like seeing us through Facebook or seeing us through, you know, social media. So Either way, it totally works, but I think there's such a, a beauty in local support. And let me ask you a quick follow-up question um, with yeah. respect to specifically Spotify and YouTube. You're asking, I mean, it helps you, right, when people like your stuff on YouTube, the thumbs up, right. and then on Spotify, yeah. is it the download that actually helps you, the download of the song? Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it's a mix of things. So anyone that you know is streaming the song, listening, that's helpful. Okay. Anyone that's following us as an artist, there's a follow button on Spotify. If you click that, that's also helpful. And then YouTube streams, uh, liking our Facebook page, liking our Instagram page, anything like that uh, is just, you know, not only a way for us to like have one more follower, but for us to stay connected with that person. Like if they're liking and following us, then they will know where our live shows are at. They will know like what we're up to. We're traveling, you know, constantly. We have, you know, this tour coming up, a tour coming up after that, tours next year. So it's very easy for us to say, like, hey, we're going to be through on this date, you know. And prime example, we had someone message us on Instagram, and they're like, I would love to see a show. I'm in L.A. When can I see you next? Well, we're coming there October 19th. We're playing at Hotel Cafe. So there's just that ability to connect with people through social media. That's awesome. So definitely, um, you know, that's a great way to support what we're doing, uh, buying our music and merchandise. We're going to have both of those available on our website, thehotmansisters.com. And so we also are kind of staying connected, uh, selling our product um, online as well as at our live shows. So that's obviously an important piece. So buy the merchandise. Buy the merchandise. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, Ed? Yeah. Oh, that was great. Yeah. Okay. I said said thorough. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so we'll close with this question. Um, what is it that you hope to be remembered by, whether it's in your role as a musician or as a human? When the eulogy is given for you, what do you hope that people will say? That's a really good question. <laughs> and they pan to Ed. <laughs> they go straight to Ed. <laughs> um, I think uh, as far as music or like as a human. Either. Okay, um, I'll go with musician, because <laughs> I think that's maybe easier. Um, my favorite musicians are the musicians that make all the other musicians around them sound the best. Mm. And so I kind of take after that sort of tradition of, I want to service the music, and I want to make 
Heather and Jessica, <clears throat> I want their singing to sound good and I want to play in a way that doesn't cover it up or seem too subtle. So um, I guess that's sort of the reputation I want of somebody that is putting everything into the music instead of like having themselves heard. So what I hear you saying is someone who added value and, and highlighted the people around him. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great one, Ed. Oh, I guess I'm answering <laughs> next. Okay. Um, that's like a really good question. I was just thinking about that. That's like really deep. Um, I think it's, hmm. there's going to be so many flaws as a human. Like I just, I'm thinking about like all the things I do wrong on a daily basis, oh. but I think, um, it's that, you know, as a person and as a band, I think, you know, that we were truly, um, I know this sounds maybe like not musician-y, but like, uh, you know, that we were truly loving at the end of the day, that we truly care about people. Um, and that, you know, um, humility, um, just like being humble in what you do, because like, like I said, there's so much to be learned, not just through feedback, but, um, through life. And I think if those experiences come in to your music in a raw way, it really touches people. It's mm -hmm. touched me. I've been out to so many shows where, I mean, I'm an emotional person, but you know, some lyric or some word or something will like make me cry. And I'm like, if that connection exists with us and our music to other people, um, that would be like the best type of eulogy is that we yeah. connect to people. That so. you touched people. Yeah, yeah. I love that, Heather. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> Um, for me, it would just be, uh, that I would be a person that people would remember that I had a love for music. I had a love for doing what I'm doing and that, um, fully submerged themselves into that through every aspect of their life. And so, yeah, just that my love for what I do would be the thing that stands out. And, and that's really what I hope mm -hmm. now. And even at the end of my life is that people don't see that I, oh, I'm just doing this to do it or you know, whatever, it, it, there's a true love that exudes for this craft and this creativity. And uh, like we said earlier, waking up every day doing what you love to do. And so I hope that that um, comes through and that even on the songwriter level that uh, people can relate to the music in some way and can draw something from within themselves that connects to it. Mm -hmm. um, I think there is that connectedness of humans we desire to relate and so that people would even relate to the music even years after we're gone. So, yeah. Mm. And that is the really cool thing about what you do, right? It will live on forever. And that's a pretty neat yeah, mark. Right? That's, that's a pretty <laughs> neat legacy in and of itself. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think we all would agree, too, that this world, um, people are struggling with isolation and lack of connection. So I think it's pretty magical, to your point, Heather, about how your music not only connects you with people, but helps other people connect with one another in this community that you're creating around the Hotman sisters. It's pretty neat. For sure. <laughs> so thank you three so much. Again, the website is thehotmansisters.com. Um, That's correct. Buy the merchandise, all the thumbs up, all the likes, all the follows. It will all be well um, appreciated and will be helpful. And I can't wait to see where the three of you go with this. It's pretty cool. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. Thank you for having us. I love you. You're awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was my pleasure.
Thank you for listening to Maximum Enthusiasm with Megan Hopman. Subscribe, check out our blog, and learn more at MaximumEnthusiasm.com.